Hello everyone and welcome to the Loopcast. I'm Chelsea Damon and today we have a guest on from overseas. So um, bear with us if we have any technical difficulties, which I don't think we will. It sounds good so far. But today we have Louisa Terrace Wahlberg on the show to discuss her recent study that was published a couple of weeks ago, and we will definitely post the link to the full paper, called Promises of Paradise, a study on official ISIS propaganda targeting women. So as you know, as avid listeners, we've done so many issues and shows on ISIS, and a lot of it tends to focus on other issues besides women. And we've done another show recently on women and Boko Haram. So I'm really happy to kind of do this series on women in conflict issues and studies. So Luisa, thank you first for coming on the Loopcast. Thank you for having me. We're very excited. And so for our listeners, Luisa is a research fellow at the International Center for the Study of Violent Extremism, and there she focuses on violent extremist organizations, women, and preventative measurements. And she has worked for the Swedish government offices focusing on preventing violent extremism, and she graduated with distinctions in political science from Stockholm University, as well as in her postgraduate degree in security policy from the Swedish Defense University. So she has a fantastically impressive background, which we're very happy to always have guests that do have these great backgrounds. So once again, I'm glad you're here to discuss this really interesting issue that I feel like hasn't had enough attention compared to everything else we get on ISIS. I think you're probably right about that, Chelsea. So I'm happy to be on on your show to talk about these issues. So maybe to start off with, what prompted you to do this study in the first place? Well, so as you said, I worked within the Swedish government offices uh, focusing on countering radicalization. This was during, I think, in 2014 or 2015. Uh, And I mainly focused on working towards our 219 municipalities, which are sort of uh, the key actors uh, when focusing on preventing radicalization. Uh, And they started seeing in certain areas of our country uh, increased radicalization among young women mainly in the bigger cities. And so I got a lot of questions about this. Why Why does this happen? How can we understand this? And, of course, I started researching uh, the issue. And, I mean, there are some researchers that have focused on this uh, before, as I think that we will uh, touch upon later in the show. But I was just not really satisfied with the answers that I found. So I just, I just went for it. And I went looking for my own answers, basically. I love that. That's actually how some fantastic research comes about. Well, I, uh, I, I think that it ended up good. Uh, my purpose was not being uh, on your show, if you know what I mean, although I'm really happy to, to be talking to you. But I was really just fascinated by the issue and driven to find answers for people looking for them. So, yeah, that was the entire purpose of my study. Did you come across any obstacles, big or small, during this research process? Oh, definitely. Uh, Research is just never a straight path for me. I mean, I I think that finding the material was surprisingly easy for me. Uh, 
even though a lot of web hosts and sites take down propaganda from ISIS, I never had any issue finding the material. Although I found it more difficult processing the material for analysis, I would say. Uh, I just want everyone to know that I'm not the sensitive type of person, but this material is very graphic and very violent. And I went through more than a thousand pages of it. So I sort of ended up becoming a bit desensitized to the concept of death, if you will, which was not a good place to be in, I think. And also I found it a bit semantically heavy, uh, if I can put it that way. I mean, the propaganda uh, produced by ISIS is riddled with Arabic words and phrases from the Quran and so forth. And I wanted to make that all available and understandable to the people reading my research. So uh, that was a challenge as well. Um, other than that, yeah, my computer took took a toll, I would say. I think I would recommend everyone engaging in these sort of studies to have a really good antivirus program, because when I started doing this, my computer was all fine. Now it's really, really slow, and I think I need to, I need to uh, treat it better, so to say, <laughs> in the future. And for our listeners, maybe you can discuss the types of methodology and the sources that you used for this study as you touched on um, some of the sources being very graphic and highly violent. And um, yeah, just let our listeners know what you used as resources. So basically, I focused on official ISIS propaganda within this study. And by that, I mean uh, propaganda that is stemming from ISIS, different media wings, uh, and the messages then are produced and sanctioned by the ISIS leadership. So it's not like material that is circulating on social media or produced by ISIS followers, but it's, uh, it's, it's material coming directly from ISIS, if you will. Uh, and so I, I gathered more than a thousand uh, pages of this material, my, my, uh, mostly from Debik, which is uh, ISIS' own magazine, official online magazine. And also uh, I included some official statements from, from uh, ISIS uh, leader uh, people or leadership, people within ISIS leadership. And the official statements... Were they just focusing on women, or was it more of a broader... Uh, they, they were not focusing on women uh, at all, I would say. A, a lot less so than the official uh, magazine. But uh, as time went on, you could see sort of a shift where there was a bigger focus on women later uh, within my study, or the material that I collected later within the study. So... Yeah. And the shift, do you have any thoughts on why that happened? Uh, I think that ISIS realized that they had to uh, go for a broader audience, if you will, uh, and that there were a lot of gains in, in attracting both men, women and men. Uh, when they had established uh, their so-called caliphate and gained their territory they also needed to to have people living within that territory 
so they needed families, they wanted to secure the future of their nation. And uh, women are very important in that aspect that they produce children. Uh, and so it's sort of a long-term survival strategy, I would say, so tracking looking, women. So looking at the paper, in the paper you mentioned that you found that over a thousand women have migrated to the Islamic State. What is the significance of this? Well, I, I, uh, when I say a thousand women, I just want to clarify that that is a thousand women from the Western countries, from Europe and from, from America and so forth. If we include women from the Middle East, the number grows significantly. There are no clear, clear data, as far as I'm aware, on, on the total uh, number of women, but a thousand women from, from Europe and from the US. Uh, and this has never been seen before. Uh, I'm not saying that women within violent extremist organizations is a new phenomena because it's not. Uh, we have seen, seen instances of that before. But the magnitude that we're now seeing um, is, is uh, unparalleled. Uh, and women tend to radicalize and recruit other women. Uh, and so if you don't do anything about this or counter ISIS propaganda that is very cleverly targeting women, uh, this trend of increasing number of women joining ISIS could continue. And so I think that's, that's why it's important to focus on this issue, because ISIS is focusing on this issue, so why shouldn't we? Why do you think there's this draw to women in just, we'll, we'll say, the Western countries, since those are the, the females that you're focusing on in your study? Why is there this draw to go to a completely different region, culture? Um, ISIS is very much a violent organization. So what is this draw that is attracting these women that you found and researched in your study? Well, from a theoretical perspective, uh, researchers tend to focus on uh, the concepts of push and pull factors. Uh, they are uh, basically factors that drive the process of radicalization uh, and that make individuals, in this case women, more willing to use violence to reach their goals, uh, establishing a caliphate and so forth. Uh, and so push factors are negative experiences, I would say, driving a person away from its normal social context, i.e. Sweden or the US or Stockholm or whatever you want to say. Uh, and then you have the other side of the coin, the sort of flip side to the push factors, that would be the pull factors. And these are positive incentives that drive individuals to violent ideologies. And these are the ones that we can find if we look at, at official propaganda. What are the promises that ISIS is giving women? Um, and that's what I've been focusing on. And I have detailed seven promises that I have found within the material that I've studied. And why don't we get to that? What are these seven promises that you found that are both push well the push to go overseas and join the caliphate and the pull to come and join the caliphate 
for women? Uh, so I've focused on the on the pull uh, side. Uh, the push side would be things like discrimination and uh, and and yeah. And I've focused on what what attracts women. Uh, what promises ISIS is giving women and so the first promise that I've found is this um, concept of religious duty I would uh, say ISIS is basically telling women uh, that it's impossible to be a righteous and pious Muslim living in the West uh, because you are constantly polluted by your sinful surroundings. Now, I want to make uh, perfectly clear that this is ISIS's interpretation of the religion. Uh, this is not sort of the mainstream uh, interpretation. And so ISIS is, is saying that there is one solution to this problem, uh, to the problem of being discredited and suspected by your surroundings. Uh, and polluted by your surroundings. And that is to make a so-called hijra, uh, to migrate to the Islamic State. This is sort of the easy way to get rid of all of the nasty things that pollute you. Uh, and they phrase this as being a duty for both men and women. And this is very clear. that This is nothing that only... Um, that is only a, a duty for men, but also for women... Uh, and you are rewarded for, for carrying out this deed. And if you do not do it, you are also punished for not complying with ISIS's interpretation of the religion. So that's the first promise, I'd say. And what, what, what's the second one? Uh, so the second one uh, would be the promise of becoming an important state builder. And I've divided this promise into three subcategories. Uh, so you have the first part of the state builder promise, becoming an important state official, an ISIS state official. So this terrorist organization is basically telling women that they can become doctors, nurses, or teachers if they if they choose to move to the Islamic State, uh, and they advertise new universities for women. Uh, with free admission, admissions and free tuition, uh, free school uniforms, uh, free living arrangements, free course literature, and a little extra cash for those that do extra well in school as well. So it's, uh, it's pretty detailed. Uh, and then you have the other important role as a state builder that would be uh, the role as a mother. And this was what we were talking about earlier a little bit. Uh, women are tasked with uh, fostering the next generation of ISIS fighters and to sort of secure the survival of the state. And I think that it's really interesting because I can draw some parallels to the white power rhetoric here because they're basically saying that it's, it's a, a woman's duty to maintain a pure breeding process and to sort of foster the right type of Muslim children um, and they have a whole support system for doing this uh, ISIS is, is uh, t talking about Sharia Institute 
institutions judging on family issues. You also have kindergartens and training camps for younger boys. So uh, that's the second part of this state builder promise. And then the third third sort of role would be the role as a wife where you are tasked with supporting your husband in jihad and to enable his fight basically and also to carry out uh, daily chores as cooking and cleaning and raising the children and so forth so those are the parts of the second promise i would say and maybe asking a question that falls into this yeah the second promise it seems like the target audience that they're going to, or maybe younger women with, with the education, the schooling, um, motherhood. Do you also see any target audience to women in their later years, or is it more young women that will produce the next generation of ISIS fighters, ISIS administrators, etc.? cetera? Um, or do we see a combination of all age ranges in women? I would say that the focus is definitely on younger women, uh, but there are some interesting aspects and pulls towards older women as well. We're going to come into that when we talk about the the promise of romance that you are. Uh, Isis is basically telling women as well to leave their their unrighteous men in the West and join the Islamic State and they will be rewarded with something better. Uh, so it's not only like 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, but also married women that are, are established in some way uh, in the societies that they live in. Interesting. So what is the next promise then? Uh, so the next promise I have chosen to to uh, term deep belonging, um, and ISIS is basically portraying itself as a very inclusive state, uh, a state that is pure from discrimination. And we may laugh at this, but if we read the material, uh, and for those that actually read the material and that experience uh, or that lack experiences of deep belonging I can understand that it's it's sort of appealing to them uh, ISIS uh, explicitly states that it makes no difference between Europeans and Middle Easterns and Americans they're all the same they're all made equal by their common faith if you will so ISIS is also talking about people of color and pe- white people being uh, being equals uh, so it's it's a very explicit phrasing of a nation without discrimination, uh, which I think is really interesting. If you look at the 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 drivers that drive uh, individuals from Europe and from the U.S. experiencing discrimination, so ISIS is basically promising the opposite of the, what they have already experienced, even though it might not be the truth, but. <laughs> I was thinking of that when you when you were mentioning this concept of a sense of belonging and meaningful a meaningful and deep sense of belonging if you go and join ISIS and it's definitely yeah. a strong it resonates with that concept of the push factors as you were saying of people maybe experiencing discrimination and not feeling like they're part of their community yeah. in the west and and then you have this group that's 
opening their arms to anyone, <laughs> regardless yeah. of race, look, ethnicity, and saying, you know, you are part of the community. So yes, definitely. Come. Yeah. No, it's very, uh, I would say that it's very uh, smart advertising, saying that uh, it is definitely working. <laughs> they have targeted their, their audience, and they have sent out messages that seem to appeal uh, with their audiences. And that's why we're seeing this flow of women, I, I think, uh, that they managed to market themselves in the way that they, that they want and what is the yeah. and what is the next promise? Uh, so the fourth promise that would be the promise of sisterhood. The propaganda highlights deep and meaningful relationships uh, between women and among women, and they also, or it also contrasts this to the relationships available in the West saying that Western women are only interested in certain things, uh, makeup and, and uh, the exterior, whereas women within uh, ISIS and women living uh, in ISIS territories are more focused on internal issues. So you can find a deeper meaning and deeper relationships and deeper sisterhood there. Uh, and to, to highlight this, they use experiences and stories from uh, women traveling to the Islamic State. And they, they sort of bring these stories to the fore, talking about um, pregnant women traveling to, to the caliphate, uh, helping each other and so forth, being there for one another. And they also use the promise um, of sisterhood to sort of to sell their view of polygyny, do you t do you say that in, in English, where one w one man can marry four women? Uh, this is a concept that is is uh, very strange to many Western women, indeed. Uh, and ISIS is selling the idea of polygyny as sort of an insurance for for women, uh, saying that if you travel here and you marry. Uh, and then your husband dies tragically in war, you shall not worry because uh, your sisters will take care of you. Uh, you will have many sisters within your own family as you can remarry with someone who's already married. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that would be the fourth promise, I, I, I would say. The promise then, of sisterhood. And then staying on the sisterhood aspect, I feel like this is yeah. like a good area to ask this question. You mentioned the Al-Zora Foundation um, within your, your paper. So I was wondering yeah. if you could discuss what that is uh, and what its significance is within this promise of paradise for women. Sure. Uh, the Al-Zora Foundation is basically one of ISIS's many media wings. And it was established in late 2014, I think. Uh, and only targeting women. So this media wing only produced uh, propaganda for women. Um, and it quickly gained a lot of traction. Within just a couple of weeks, uh, it had more than 3,000 followers on Twitter. I mean, I could only dream of having 3,000 uh, followers on Twitter. Uh, and I think that this was sort of a, a testament to ISIS's increased interest in women uh, 
And around that same time, the Beak also started speaking directly to women, um, whereas it had only earlier talked about women. Uh, and so Alzura Foundation produced texts, but also mostly produced vi videos for women, uh, showing sort of how to cook the right food for your fighter and how to treat the wounds of your fighter. Uh, so a lot of that kind of material were, uh, was produced and spread online. And in any of this material, did they also highlight this sisterhood aspect of having almost like your own network of women that are all your family? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not in the videos, as far as I'm aware, uh, but you do see that in the big, yes, uh, where sort of women uh, are your allies uh, in, in, in war, in jihad, and where they support you to, to uh, endure this fight, basically. Yeah. I find that very interesting because it really falls into the rhetoric category, and I'm sure there is this sense of sisterhood in some aspects, but of course you hear a lot of accounts of women within ISIS-held territory that are actually quite brutal to their so-called sisters. Yeah, no, definitely. And there is uh, uh, the Al-Qanasa Brigade, for example, is, is uh, the female police looking after women. Uh, so ISIS has, has its own police force uh, of women taking care of uh, female deviants, if you will. Uh, so there is definitely brutality there as well, yes. But this is not talked about in the, in the official propaganda. Of course. <laughs> I can say that much, yes. So we've talked about the four promises. What is the fifth? Uh, so I have uh, dubbed the fifth promise uh, the exciting adventure. Uh, and again, ISIS is here focusing on the journey to its territories uh, as a sort of adventure. And women are telling stories uh, where they have sort of awakened and gone from death to life, from darkness to light. Uh, and they also challenge women here, telling them that this trip is nothing for cowards. It's an adventure, an exciting adventure, but it's only for the brave ones. So if you're not the brave one, you should stay at home uh, if you can't master this experience. Uh, so this is the fifth uh, promise that I've detected. And the sixth, which I think is, is quite interesting, the romance aspect. And in my personal research as well, I look at a lot of ISIS propaganda and I always come to this conclusion that sometimes, especially when they're highlighting fighters and you can tell it's some of the images, whether it's on social media or in official propaganda like Davik or Rumia mm -hmm. now, they show these male fighters looking, I have to say, some of them look like a spread out of a GQ magazine. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely like dating material. It's like... A, and this material is so high-end as well. I mean, it's not People magazine. It's more like Vogue, if you exactly. know what I mean. Uh, they have that so whole jihadi cool look. And, no, and they, definitely. They, yeah, they film them very 
it's like an action hero almost. And so they're fun. young and yes. they're strong and they're good looking and they're holding kittens, you know, and yes. it's, it's absurd uh, in many ways, but it seems to be working. Uh, and they make explicit calls for women to leave uh, their homes and to be rewarded with a strong hero-like figure that can take care of them and, and sort of work for their good. And this also gives, I mean, I, I would say that marriage within the Islamic state gives women uh, status. So marrying a strong fighter or someone that is uh, among the high-ranking uh, high forces of ISIS gives women status. Um, so marriage comes with some sort of a benefit as well. Uh, and I think this is interesting because it's sort of this lifelong romance where if your fighter dies, you will be uh, reunited after in the afterlife. Uh, so um, there is no risk there as well. <laughs> do you see what I mean? Yes. And how do you think they validate that? Because once again, accounts coming out of ISIS-held regions from women, you hear that you know, a young individual maybe has traveled and immigrated to the mm -hmm. caliphate. They are married off right away to a fighter, whether right. they're a foreign fighter or not. And mm -hmm. this this husband goes off and dies, and they're literally married off again to someone else. Yeah. No, and that's uh, that's the reality, but they're not talking about that in, in that way. They're not phrasing it and framing it in that, in that sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it interesting because I don't think that the official propaganda uh, deals that much with what we, uh, we or like Western media, uh, says about the reality. I mean, they are constantly, yes, claiming that, that Western media is portraying falsehood and, and lies. Uh, but it's very focused on what is actually happening within the caliphate as they see, see it. So I think that they sort of dodged that bullet many times. And in your opinion, say, for instance, you have a young woman that has not done the hijra to mm -hmm. ISIS and, and might be looking at this material, seeing the side that ISIS is portraying. But then mm -hmm. if you're in the Western world, you're going to hear the other side of it. And yeah you know, the actual reality of it, do you think it's just this concept that they will not believe what the Western media is portraying because, as ISIS is saying, it's it's falsehood, it's, it's false accounts? Is that their way of validating what ISIS says versus the rest of the world? I don't know. I don't want to... Uh, I think that many times the women that they are actually targeting and speaking to are very young. Uh, I mean, we are seeing girls that are 13, 14, 15, 16. Yes, we are seeing uh, older women as well, but many many of these, these uh, individuals are children, and, and children are maybe not as reflective, what do you say, reflective, mm -hmm. uh, in, in their... Uh, way of thinking they have more of a black and white uh, psychology uh, many many times um, and I think that that is being exploited in some way 
by the propaganda. Uh, so if you if you manage to sell someone only a part of this material, only one of these promises, then 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 they have sort of succeeded in a way. Uh, I mean these these promises are very different, and I think that is because they can appeal to everyone. I mean everyone is missing something in their life, either belonging or sisterhood or romance or adventure <laughs> it's sort of like this perfect novel romantic novel that we read when we were children uh, they're sort of selling young girls that i would say i've heard isis propaganda and these promises explained in so many different ways but never like a novel and i actually really like that concept because it makes complete sense so <laughs> i like that yeah, I think it's like a teenage novel yeah. in, in some way. Yeah, uh, I, I see that now. That's that's a great analogy. So last but not least, what is the seventh promise? Well, the seventh promise would be that of increased influence. Uh, and ISIS is sort of painting a picture of the Muslim ummah, the Muslim community as a humiliated group. Uh, and they are also telling us that this is the golden age where you can re-establish the honor of the Muslim community um, by by joining their ranks, basically. And they attract women with the promise of increased influence in both uh, domestic and international politics, so of ISIS, basically, uh, done, and they are doing this by by uh, allowing ISIS women to subjugate women of other faiths, I would say. For example, the Yazidis. Uh, so if you if you push someone down, then you increase your own value, and I think that is is a. Uh, really interesting uh, view on reality. Uh, and I would say that that is the seventh promise and the last promise that I found. So considering all of this and this study that you've taken on, which, mm -hmm. as we said at the starting of the conversation, focuses on women and in a lot of security studies, we don't really get, I feel like, enough on women involved in conflicts, involved in terrorism and extremist groups. So mm -hmm. my big question is, why do you think that there's less of a focus on women who are attracted to violent extremist groups as opposed to men? God, I've been thinking about this too. I mean, for me, this is the most fascinating uh, subject of research. Uh, and I, I find it interesting that most researchers researching women are women. Uh, Although not all, uh, I think that I mean we ne we need to remember that women in violent extremist groups, uh, I mean they're underrepresented. So if we if we take Europe for an exa as an example, we have twenty percent uh, uh, of the foreign fighters being women. Uh, but even so, I would say that this is is this 
a highly male dominant dominated organization if you will i mean it has male leaders uh, and we often see men carrying out attacks against the west in both europe and the us uh, and i think that that might be one of the explanations like the action uh, is not uh, the action is where the men is are and so i think that that might be one explanation but i really don't don't know i i wish that everyone focused on this <laughs> because i find it so interesting and so you're a new guest to the loopcast i'm hoping that in the future we'll have you on on some other topic that you're delving into but what we like to do is if time permits at the mm -hmm. end of the conversation we like to give our guests maybe a moment to touch on something that we might not have discussed in the topic of the show or if you have a final thought so i just want to open the floor to you and give you that opportunity well i think that it's really important to paint the true picture of isis uh, to women uh, and i think that these promises in some way can help us understand the incentives that motivate women to join this very violent group uh, and i i hope that my entire purpose of this is to give us sort of the means to develop better measures to counter radicalization among women and i hope that these promises somehow somehow used either to produce counter narratives uh, to isis propaganda or to just engage teachers and and social workers and and other groups in conversations with young women about what ISIS stands for and what ISIS promises and what is the reality of that promise uh, and so that is my sort of naive uh, picture of where this might lead uh, and if that's in some way becomes reality please call me and tell me because it would be amazing to know that that research can actually be used in real policy making and i think that that i mean policy makers use research occasionally but not not as often as as they could and i hope that that we become better in using the knowledge that we actually have uh, in creating better policies to counter radicalization among both men and women. Yeah, so that's my my final take. And that was very eloquently said. So the paper is called Promises of Paradise, a study on official ISIS propaganda targeting women. And as I said, we will post the links. So if you as a listener are interested in reading this in depth and hearing more you know please read the paper and i just want to thank you so so much for coming on the show to discuss your research louisa thank you so much